Well, it's, uh, it's good to, to be back. It's uh, good to be back in the pulpit after a, a summer away. Uh, it's also good to be back in the book of Hebrews, uh, where, we, uh, where we picked back up just a couple of Sundays ago. Now, something that we all know and, and something that we can all too easily forget is this. Ignoring a warning can be deadly. That's right. Ignoring a warning can be deadly. And that's how the author of Hebrews begins our passage this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 39. Now, the the larger context for our passage in in chapter 10, uh, which is clear if you uh, take a look at the heading in your Bibles, uh, the larger context actually begins back in verse 19, and, and you can see that it's about the full assurance of faith. In other words, it's about the growing confidence of enduring faith, or the assurance that grows as faith stays the course. Now, of course, if you were with us last week, uh, you know that we looked at that uh, first part of this section. Uh, which begins in verse 19. And so let me reread those verses for us to set the context, and then I'll pray for us as we prepare to hear our passage today. Actually, I'm going to back up even one verse earlier. And so beginning with verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 10. Where there is forgiveness, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, therefore, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but rather encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Well, Lord God, we do uh, come before you once again this morning and ask that you would hear our prayer as we approach you and your word. Uh, We thank you for revealing yourself to us in the very pages of Scripture. And we come before you this day because we want to, and even, even more so because we need to see Jesus. And so we ask now that by the power of your Spirit, you would open your word to us and us to your word. Amen. Well, again, our passage uh, this morning, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 39 And and what we see here is that we must continue to live by faith. 
We must continue to live by faith if we are to persevere in the Christian life. And that as we continue to live by faith, one of the things that, that happens is that we actually build endurance and confidence as we approach the finish line of Christ's return. Now, as you can see, taking a look at the passage, that it splits nicely into two parts, uh, two paragraphs, and so we're going to take uh, one at a time. In this first paragraph, verses 26 through 31, is a warning. A warning. So let's read those verses. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Okay, clearly, this is a warning. Uh, and, and a sobering one at that. And as I said just a, a few moments ago, Ignoring a warning can be deadly. Now, I remember all too well uh, when I was 17 years old and my friend Chris ignored a warning. It was a, a road sign, a warning of a curve up ahead and the need to slow down. Instead, he sped up, flipped his car, hit a telephone pole. A few days later, I was a pallbearer at his funeral. Ignoring a warning can be deadly. And how much more so when that warning has to do with our relationship with the living God? Well, if you think about where we've been so far in Hebrews, you may know that, that this is one of several warnings. In fact, this is the fourth warning that we encounter in the book of Hebrews, and it's another warning to the church, a warning against apostasy. And here the author warns specifically, do not be like those who, verse 26, go on sinning deliberately. Now, we've already said a prayer of confession in the service, uh, the whole idea of being honest, and if we're honest with ourselves, we know that that even those of us who are true believers, who have genuinely put our trust in Jesus, we still struggle with sin. And of course, that's why we live day in and day out by faith and repentance. But an apostate is someone who willfully rejects the truth of the gospel, even though they know the seriousness of sin. Uh, th this strong warning here says, if you reject Christ, then there's no alternative. 
Uh, There's no other sacrifice for sin, no other way to God. If you willfully reject Jesus, okay, his, his perfect life, sacrificial death, glorious resurrection on your behalf, if you reject Jesus, then the only thing that remains for you is the judgment of God apart from Jesus. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say that it was bad enough when people rejected God's word when it came through Moses. How much worse when they reject God's word in Jesus, the living word. And so what we have here is a serious warning. Now, as you can see, it is a warning for believers to persevere, to stay the course, to keep living by faith. And then also a warning for those who profess faith without actually possessing it. It's a warning to them to turn to Christ, to trust in him and in him alone, and to do so now. The warning is a gift. Now, to be clear, this passage is not teaching that true believers can lose their salvation. It's not teaching that. And so rather what we see here, uh, we come upon the the word sanctified, and, and, and in the context here, what it is saying is that those who have been set apart, in other words, by, by merely claiming to be part of Christ's family, Christ's church, while still rejecting him and, and doing so through chronic, uh, unrepentant sin, that for those folks, it, it's their apostasy that's actually evidence that, that their profession was, was only superficial to begin with, that they were never a genuine believer. In other words, it's someone who says, oh, yeah, I'm a member of such and such church, but, you know, I'm going to live the way I'm going to live. It's all grace. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't take their sin seriously. Now, if that describes you, if that describes you, then you are here this morning at God's appointment, and this is his gift of a warning to you, a gift, an invitation to turn to him now in repentance and faith and know the assurance that is ours in Christ. So let me just summarize this passage, this, uh, this paragraph, uh, by paraphrasing it. If we turn our backs on the truth we've heard and keep on sinning willfully without regard for the cross of Christ, then we will face judgment on our own, a terrifying, fierce judgment. For if the penalty for breaking the law of Moses is physical death, what do you think will happen if you turn on God's Son, spit on the sacrifice that makes us whole, and insult His most gracious Spirit? This is no light matter. It is a terrifying thing to stand naked before our holy God without the cover of Christ's righteousness. Again, weighty for sure. But let's shift gears. Let's shift gears now because that's what the writer of of Hebrews does. Uh, He now moves from warning to encouragement. 
And so this second paragraph, uh, verses 32 to 39, is an encouragement. In fact, it is much needed encouragement in the midst of life's hardships. And so let's read those verses, uh, picking back up verse 32. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with, that is, supporting those so treated. For you had compassion on them, on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, My soul has no pleasure in him. But we, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So what's the author doing here? I mean, how is he encouraging God's people? And remember, remember the folks that he is writing to, they are facing significant hardship. And maybe you are too. Maybe you're facing significant hardship today, a season of of life's hard. Now, it might not be the the persecution that, that these people were facing, but it could be any number of hardships in your life. And if you are feeling weary and losing heart, then the writer of Hebrews has a message for you today that God, through his word, has a word of comfort and encouragement for your heart this morning. Now, as I was uh, thinking about hardships, uh, I I was reading through some some articles, and and I came across one about the training and selection process for U.S. Navy SEALs. Now, living in a military uh, rich area. I know that many, if not most of you, are familiar uh, with the SEALs and, and knowing that they are members of, of one of the most elite military organizations, not only in our country, but in the entire world. Uh, that these are specialists among specialists. And, and the author of the article was writing about a, a fascinating documentary that he'd watched about the SEALs and, and commenting particularly on a, a, a part of their initial training known as Hell Week. Uh, Hell Week, uh, of course, being a time when the trainers are weeding people out. And he wrote this. They put the recruits through day after day of every rigorous exercise you can possibly imagine. Lifting huge poles on their shoulders, running crazy long distances, paddling boats out in the ocean. The soldiers are wet, they are cold, and they are not allowed to sleep for more than a few hours. Sometimes they are not even allowed to eat. By day two, they are wiped, 
By day three, they cannot see straight. By day four, they are falling asleep where they stand. Now, if you want to quit, all you have to do is go ring the bell. Ring the bell at the center of the camp. That's all. And all the time, the trainers are yelling and yelling at these recruits that you should just get up and go ring the bell. Hey, then you can go home, have a hot shower. It'll all be over. Just go ring the bell. And that voice is continually in their ears, hour after hour after hour. But what's so fascinating is that there's also another voice. Another voice, for as soon as other soldiers see someone get up and begin to stumble toward that bell, they cry out, no, don't do it, don't quit, don't give up. And then the author of the article says this, there are two reasons these soldiers give for not quitting. The first, look how far you've come. If you quit now, then everything you've endured so far was a waste. Look how far you've come. Don't throw it all away. The second reason, think about your goal. If you get through this, then you get to put on that uniform and become a U.S. Navy SEAL. Well, in this second paragraph, uh, the writer of Hebrews gives the very same reasons for not giving up on the Christian life. First, look how far you've come. Second, think about what you gain if you persevere to the end. And so what we need to do is we need to both look back and also look ahead. We need to look back we need to look ahead. And so the writer tells us that we need to look back. Okay, he writes, verse 32. Recall the former days when you were first enlightened. Remember? Remember when you first embraced the gospel, the truth and grace of Jesus? Now, I, I want you to note something. Note that, that he's not telling them to remember, oh, look back and remember the good old days. Remember the glory days. No, no, he doesn't say look back and remember how good your circumstances were because they weren't good. I mean, he tells them to look back and to remember that in the midst of hardship, Jesus was with you and you knew it. He was at work in you. He was at work around you. Okay, so that, that's what the author is getting at here. And he says, you, you and your friends, you were mocked, you were ridiculed, you were persecuted, abused. You remember that time? And you endured. Verse 32, you endured the hardship and suffering. And why? And how? How, how did you endure that? Well, because, verse 34, you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, an abiding one. In other words, you knew that you had Jesus. You knew that you had a sure and certain hope in him, a very present help in times of trouble. You knew that he was with you. 
You knew that it was real, that it was true. Well, it's just as true today as it was then. And so no matter, friends, no matter how hard life gets, and it gets hard sometimes, there are times we feel like throwing our hands up in the air and just walking away. All of us hit those places. But no matter how hard it gets, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw it away. Don't give up. Don't ring the bell. And so the writer of Hebrews tells us to look back. And he also tells us to look ahead. He tells us to look ahead because it's all worth it. More than anything else, this is what is most worth it. He writes, verse 36, that we will receive what is promised. That when we've completed the journey of faith, we will receive what is promised. That is, we will receive the fullness of our salvation. Okay, the great reward. Uh, verse 35, the great reward is the gift of eternal life, the gift of eternal life in heaven. Or what we read about in Revelation 21, the new heaven and the new earth come together where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more loss, no more death, where it'll be all things made new where it'll be the fullness of joy, where it'll be perfect communion with one another, perfect peace and joy with each other, the absence of conflict, perfect shalom. And all of that in seeing our, fa our Savior face to face, perfect peace and joy with Jesus forever. And so we look ahead. And we know, verse 37, we know that the coming one will come and will not delay. Friends, he is coming back. And as we look ahead, as we look ahead to that great day, we continue today to live by faith. That's what the author of Hebrews says, that we live by faith, a direct quote from Habakkuk 2 that each and every day is to be a day lived by faith. Okay, you see, it's, it's a lot like a long-distance marathon runner, long-distance runner, endurance running, okay? Not a short sprint. This is, this is going on for the long haul. We have to run with endurance. But here's the difference. We don't just dig down deep into ourselves and try to muster up that strength. No, not at all. We are looking to the strength of another. We aren't doing this out of our own strength, our own endurance, but rather we run through the strength of the sufficient grace of Jesus. That is ours every moment of every day by faith as we depend on him. And as we run, we keep our eyes on the prize, on the finish line of faith. For we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, 
No, friends, we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And so, brothers and sisters, think about your own life. Take a look back at when you first came to faith. Remember how real it was. Remember that God began a good work in you. And also, look ahead. Look ahead and know with great confidence. Look ahead and anticipate the day of Christ Jesus. When that good work that was begun in you, when it will be brought to a glorious completion. And so again, no matter how hard life gets, don't give up. Don't ring the bell. Keep trusting in Jesus day after day because it is all worth it. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the good work, the good work of grace that you began in us. For some of us, maybe just a few weeks ago, maybe even today, for some many years ago, but we thank you for that good work that was begun, and we thank you for the completion of that good work to come. When we will know the fullness of joy, the fullness of our salvation, we thank you, too, that, that on the cross you won the race for us, that you have guaranteed our victory at the finish line. And so we pray now that by the power of your indwelling spirit, that you would give us the strength we need, your strength, that we might persevere as we live by faith in you. Amen.